Hello everyone! The clip you're about to hear is from one of our exclusive Patreon episodes on a recent horror release, and just like all of our other episodes, it might include major spoilers for said horror release, so don't listen to it if you haven't already seen it. You've officially been warned. And if you'd like to hear the full episode, just head on over to patreon.com slash horrorqueers and subscribe today. Without further ado, here is your exclusive Patreon clip. We should probably also address the fact that there's no queerness here anymore. And yeah. like, I, I'm not interested in apologizing for doing comparisons. Like, let's just acknowledge these are scenes that we're going to compare. But particularly here, like, I was looking to see whether this film was going to step up and acknowledge because we don't have a haze code so we can actually mm-hmm. fucking talk about lesbianism and no there there isn't even a hint it had, hasn't even been dialed back it's been a race there's no lesbian content well, here anymore and and i'm really bummed out by that fact and that's why i think again by the time the film ended i was like oh we're going for like a feminist thing where it's like oh we're gonna imp- or a, fem- a female empowerment tale where it's like oh we're gonna follow this protagonist as she gains agency as she gets power and then she beats the evil villain lesbianism doesn't fit into that story and i would disagree <laughs> yeah like i i don't see them as mutually exclusive at all at all and that's the thing too yeah like the, it, when she had you have a negligee in kristen scott thomas's hands but there's just no hint of it and of course we should point out like um it, it does cue closer to de Maurier's story in that she was Rebecca's caretaker, like, since she was a child. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Hitchcock's film, she had just uh, met Rebecca when she came to the house. And Hitchcock did explicit, I mean, ex- like, nah, kind of explicitly, make make Danvers more queer than de Maurier implied. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, reading the book, you see those, like, those implications there. Yeah, and here it feels very motherly. Like she mm-hmm. does say that she loved Rebecca at one point, and there's before she no... kills herself. <laughs> yeah, but there's no like love, love. It's very much oh, I loved her because I thought that she was an amazing person, and I, I think that you suck. Yeah, I just don't understand. You know, I actually um, it's coming out as of this recording tomorrow. So by the time this recording drops, it'll already be out. But I did write a piece for um, Shutters the Bite newsletter on Rebecca and why this is a really good time to do it. Because the themes of the novel, which is just, you know, abusive relationships, gaslighting, gaslighting things like that. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. a really good time, especially in a post-Me Too world, to deal with that. And again, when you have, you, you couldn't really have explicit queerness. And again, I'm not saying I want Miss Damaris to be like, to be talking about how like sexually attracted she was to Rebecca. Yeah. There is subtlety that you can do with that role to make it at least clear. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of mind boggling that you're going to take this story in 2020 and redo it and change things about it, but not hone in on the things that maybe couldn't have been honed in on in the thirties and forties. It feels like such a missed opportunity to me. Yeah, I was just about to say that exact same phrase. It's like there were opportunities here in a number of different ways, but particularly with regard to the content that you couldn't do at the time. And it's weird that they then step up when it comes to Maxim in the conclusion. But then here it's like, well, do the kids like lesbians? Are lesbians popular? Maybe we should get rid of lesbians. I would argue, though, that softening Max up actually does a disservice to even the female empowerment thing because he's not enough of, he's not enough of an antagonist against number two to, like, make it even feel kind of earned at the end. Oh, no. I mean, 
that that honestly is my biggest problem is that the softening and the quickening of these key scenes and these central tensions and conflicts renders this film boring and bland mm-hmm. like Mrs. Danvers isn't a credible threat because she doesn't get enough to do and she doesn't have enough motivation and Maxim is boring and he's barely here. So like we're basically just watching this blonde bitch walk around a mansion for two hours. 